everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of... <laughs> scene Partners. <laughs> scene, scene Partners is what we are, I'm sorry. apparently. I thought I was going to try to use this as an audition. It was for, an audition. For the Joker. <laughs> it was an audition. For something. And just like all auditions, we, we just take what we... <laughs> We get in the feedback world, and we just move on. But we gotta stay happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> any notes? I'm well, just fair well, warning. Maybe well, next time. I told you I was coming in hot. Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't know if I expected. I don't know if I expected Joker. Hey, you I know, should have. You were doing something really exciting this week. What are you doing? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Did something exciting this week? Yeah. What you did you start? That, and I immediately was like, well, I don't what. What am I doing? <laughs> I don't know. Is it Peter Pan? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I've got to stop saying it with that inflection. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're doing Peter Pan. I mean, we kind of started that. Did I start that line? I'm, no, no, no. I'm starting Peter Pan. Yes. Yeah. So we've got like everything is cast with the kids and it's super exciting and we got everything rolling and, you know, sets halfway done, but still feels like I have way more than halfway to go somehow with like all of that. But it is really, really exciting. And um, I don't know. It is interesting. You know, it's hard. And this is probably a good a good little question for both of us. But as far as working in theater, um, because last time we talked a lot about or at least I did. <laughs> you were there, weren't you? Yeah. I was. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely heard it. OK. Um. Well, we talked about, you know, being an actor first, then a director and how that kind of lends itself to, you know, all of the I said all of the successful directors I've ever had were actors first mm-hmm. um, or performers first. But I was, you know, it's interesting because this is children's theater and it's not, you know, you you want the show to be super successful and you want it to be amazing. Yeah. And but there there is a lot of grace that's given from the audience because. They're kids. Yeah. And it's like, man, look at those kids. They're doing awesome. Those kids. They're doing great. But if it was an adult, you might not be saying that so much. But I try so hard not to let that idea enter the equation because I want these kids to rise to the that level and yeah. be amazing because they're amazing, not because they're just kids, you know. Um, but this is a children's show, and I have done this show quite a bit. And seen it a bunch. And it is really hard to direct anything that is like a part that you have done a lot and that you feel like you understand. <laughs> yeah. And I like am struggling so hard with not telling this the kid who's playing Captain Hook to just make all of my choices. <laughs> I'm just like, look, I'm gonna you sit, I'll do it. And then you just do what what I did. This exactly. is what you talked about when you do the shows with the playwright. Yes, exactly. Well, it's it's that exact same kind of thing. I just I'm already feeling that, and I feel terrible about it because the kid who's playing Captain Hook is awesome. He's like one of my little, you know, uh, reasons why I think what I'm doing down here is so special. You know, mm-hmm. like one of the the I don't know what you call it, like feather in my cap. I'm glad I made this choice. Yeah. You know, thing. Um, and he has grown so much as an artist and he's awesome. And I just, I'm so excited for him because he did not start off that way. He was so timid and just a very different kid. 
And through the last three or four years, he's just just become so awesome. And I'm just so excited for him to do this role. But I also am like, you're not making my decisions. <laughs> and so I've got to like reform my brain in a way to be like, just because they're not my decisions as an actor doesn't mean they're not right. Mm-hmm. That's not his Captain Hook. That is me 30-something-year-old version of Captain Hook. Yeah. <laughs> not 13-year-old version of Captain Hook. Now, do you think you could, if you were seeing another version, like another adult version of the show, would you be able to separate in that way? Or? No, no, I, I definitely wouldn't. The whole time. But <laughs> but for this, for this version in particular, all the other parts would be like, oh, look at these. It's awesome. But for that part, I feel like I would just think the whole time, no, nah, I wouldn't have done that. Oh, I should have stolen. I should have done that. Yeah. Or I shouldn't have done this, you know, the whole time. It's hard. You know, going to theater as a theater artist is difficult. It's very difficult. Just because the whole time you're thinking what I would, what you would do differently or, you know, like, did this, oh, this actor, like, really just blew over that beat. I wonder if they made that choice, if the director told him to do that or mm-hmm. if something was just missed and it didn't work out or... Like, I'm constantly looking at how they did this thing with the set. I mean, it's just all the time. It's like you you go, you spend a lot of money to go to these big shows, and then the whole time you just sit there and dissect them like yeah. you're still at work. It's that whole busman's holiday thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, what do, what do you think of that experience? I mean, I know that you haven't necessarily directed somebody in a role that you've played before, but if, you know... We both you you played Smee when I was Captain Hook the last time. If you saw somebody else playing that role or you had to direct them, I mean, what would that be like for you? Well, honestly, I have forgotten many of the choices that I had made. So. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I, I guess it's different because you you have the one. Yeah, you know, I do I do watch shows though, and then I think if I, if there's a role that I'm like watching and I think, oh man, that'd be so much fun to play. Yeah. Then I will see what an actor is doing. And then I will say in my mind, oh, I would have made this choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have said this like this, or I would have done that instead. I would give this more measured beats to it. Right. And I do the same thing that you do. And it's, you, you have to actually take a second step back and just enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I want to be told this story. I mean, I'll say like when we went and saw, uh, we went and saw a touring production of Waitress, the musical. And I sat, we actually were sat in, um, we were super lucky. And I, w- I was trying, I mean, this this like little story was just awesome because I was trying so hard to figure out a way to take Lexi to see this show. And I could not, I mean, like the tickets were astronomical. And I just, they had sold out by the time I even figured out a way that I could possibly afford it. And then a really just, awesome solid amazing human being called and they said hey i know that you like theater and i have two extra tickets i don't know if you're even interested to go see waitress <laughs> it's like uh, uh you know i, I see what I, my schedule could uh and so i basically live. just immediately called lexi and was like guess what you're doing tomorrow but it was made me look so good yeah <laughs> Pulled some strings. But in reality, it was just this really amazing, you know, person in our town, Missy Laborde. She's just so awesome and so nice. And she just, you know, it, it's just really great. You know, good people are just awesome yeah. to be, to have around. And she just, she made that happen for us. And it was so awesome. But we were sitting, what they did to add extra seats, they actually lowered the pit 
and made it audience level at this theater. And then they put extra seating on the actual pit. And we were at the like second row, but it felt like we were on the stage. Oh, that's awesome. And where we were sitting, we could see parts of the backstage area, even though that they mask it so well. Um, there's just so many things going on and off, but we could really see the process and you're so close, so close to it. And I do remember at one point, like the, I was laughing so hard, but I'm kind of a loud laugh. I experience things very, I experience them fully. I'll yes. say that I have, I'm a, I have a full experience kind of person. And I was laugh. I was like dying laughing so much to the point that the characters on stage started looking at me like right in the face. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Could you and like down a little also bit? the people that were in the like the background, like the ensemble were looking over at me and they were also laughing like, oh, my God, this guy's really having a good He's time enjoying this show. <laughs> yeah, I just I just was very funny. Um, but man, it was such a great experience. But I'll say even though we were sitting so close the show itself was so beautiful, and I knew all of the music because I've listened to the soundtrack a, a billion times, but I still was able to just experience the show. Yeah. I never once thought, oh, isn't this so cool how they have these, you know, these these stage wagons coming on stage and all this stuff, and they obviously have this all tracked out, and the band is over here, and I wonder how they're, you know, like the, the choice of having the band be on the stage and as a character, but not a character, but have them in costume as if they're in the diner. But, you know, I just I never once thought about those things. I just experienced it because it was so well written and so good. Mm -hmm. I just I, I think that whenever I can finally sit down and really experience a show, it's just so awesome. It's so good. It's like a, it's invigorating. It just reminds you all the reasons why you still do it when yeah. you're surprised by it. So do you think that you had that separation of experiencing versus uh, critiquing because it was this big professional company versus something that was more local? I don't think so necessarily. I mean, yes, of course, they were able to do amazing things with the budget that they were given. And just the sheer talent pool that they can pull from, you know. And there's something to be said from that. I mean, yes, the performances were all just total bangers. I mean, they were just so good. Every single one of them were perfectly cast. And they were great. Um, do I think that's just... Do I, I think that I, I... I guess the other side of that, could I still have that same experience at a at a local theater production like mm -hmm. a, with a smaller budget. I think I still definitely could. So I don't think that it's just because they were professional actors. Because I've seen local theater places that has absolutely blown me away mm -hmm. that did not have professional actors in it that I was like, "Man, that was amazing." And I'm not talking about shows that I've directed. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to be clear about that. I'm not talking about I like, of course, I do think that stuff that I've that I've done, but in that you kind of have a different experience mm -hmm. because when you direct, when you direct on like a local level, your your um you know your your level of expertise in the room is not as you know it's not as as leveled out. I guess not everybody's on the same playing field. Yeah, field. Um, so it's a little different 
because you have some people that may have never even seen a show before, and then for some reason they decided, oh, I'm going to audition for a play. And so you kind of, I think sometimes as a director of a local show, you kind of get these frost-tinted glasses where you're like, you see the growth so much that you just can't believe it. Yeah. And you're like, man, from where you started, and you almost want to say that to people, like, you know, this might not, like, experiencing this for the first time sitting in the audience you might not be blown away by this particular performance where i who's been there with them on this journey from the very beginning am like on the floor like just cannot believe that this yeah, is happening. night and day because it's gr- the growth is so much um but it, it's kind of hard to say that or explain that to people mm-hmm. well i do have this is a totally separate question, but it's more of a design and, and thematic question here. Um, I was listening to this podcast recently, and these guys were talking about like how Star Trek One had changed. I'm a, it's a long walk to get here to ask you this question, but <laughs> they were talking about how uh, Star Trek One, the motion picture, had changed so much from Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, and a lot of that had to do with like Mad Max coming out and Star Wars had become extremely popular. So mm-hmm. there's more action and like Khan is dressed in these kind of like post-apocalyptic kind of clothes and things like that. Yeah. And watching those kinds of things change the design choices in a show. Like, have you ever been to a show or seen another version of a show that you're planning on directing or that you have already directed? And you're just like, oh. That's what I have to include in the next thing that in I do. In the next thing, yeah. I mean, I feel like that happens a whole lot in Shakespeare, 100%. I mean, oh, like, yeah, the like steampunk with, thing. With concepts. Was, yeah. Like, yeah, I kind of talked about steampunk for a little while was a huge concept theme that was just kind of flooding in. You know, it is kind of interesting. Not only is, the like, with Shakespeare-driven companies or a company that has Shakespeare Company in yeah. their name... Um, it's very odd, but without thinking about it, people choose their seasons across the country and sometimes the world, and they choose the same plays of all of Shakespeare's plays. Yeah. It's almost like in a given year, a companies around the world will be like, you know what, this is the year that we do Hamlet. And everybody's just all of a sudden doing Hamlet. And the same thing with... King Lear or Love's Labor's Lost or even it just it's very odd because it's not like they communicate about this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting how and what you were kind of saying only like even with the fad of, oh, we have these these cool costumes from like Mad Max and or these action shots or whatever. And that kind of propels us to be like, oh, people like this. Well, this is kind of neat. Like, let's build upon that. Mm hmm. With a Shakespeare company, in a way, it's almost like, oh, this is what we're experiencing in the world. This is, I like, this immediately makes me think about, you know, King John, which people don't normally think about King John. <laughs> but this automatically makes me think about King John or Coriolanus. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden, all these people start doing the same thing because of what is like a direct reflection of current events. Yeah. Which I've always thought was very interesting. Because I remember when I was, you know, hitting the pavement or whatever you want to call it, like auditioning everywhere, it seemed like when I was auditioning for Shakespeare companies, it was always for like the same three shows in a given year, depending on who, whomever it was. It was like, oh, you're going to go audition for Oregon or, you know, Wisconsin or Utah or, you know, just wherever, even Texas. Like, 
they all choose the same things. It's just so interesting. There might be some variants in there, but it's just it's just kind of cool. I've always thought that was interesting. Um, that did not answer your question. No, but that is more of a reflection <laughs> on the world itself versus yeah. like seeing a design choice another director but, has made. I mean, of a hundred percent. I mean, I used to think that you had to in in order to do a production well, that if you were being lazy, if you did not come up with it 100% out of your brain and it was just like, this is all me. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. I mean, it was a very ignorant way of thinking for me because, of course, as artists, you experience all things and you use every tool at your disposal. Yes. And that's how you that's how you create really good art. And so, of course, if I see something, I mean, I saw this amazing production that I will never forget this experience and I have forever wanted to steal things from it and I have yet to find a show to do it in or a budget that will allow me <laughs> to do it <laughs> but I mean I just there was this version of um of Tristan and Isolde and oh I cannot remember the name of this company but they were they're from London oh it's gonna drive me nuts but maybe I'll find it later but they are just they were so good and I actually had the the like pleasure of meeting a lot of them because I was doing Midsummer at Chicago Shakes and they brought their show in and did it for like a week or two on a, uh, an American tour. And so they and they were so awesome and super just like into the craft, but they were very um, they, it was a very conceptual version of the show. Mm-hmm. Like Tristan and Isolde is all about, you know, it's like Romeo and Juliet. Really, yeah. it's, 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 I, it's not, ger- is it German? I'm trying to remember the writer. Anyway, it's, it's, it's basically like another version of Romeo and Juliet um, that's almost a little bit sadder because there's so much more time involved in the progression of their love mm-hmm. and just utter sadness instead of it just being like super quick and sad. Um, but in this version, you walked into the theater and there were these dudes um, and dudettes in, uh, <laughs> you're welcome, <laughs> in like me- mechanical jumpsuits, you know? Uh-huh. And they had goggles on, the same kind of hat, and they all had notepads. And I was watching them because I was actually sitting on the, um, on the third floor because I got like I was sitting in the not great seats because yeah. they were free, free. tickets because yeah, free I was acting section. at the theater. And um, so I was sitting up there and I was watching them all mill around and, and everything. And I was wondering, I was like, who are these people? And it was so interesting because you would see them go up to couples and they would write down, they would ask the couples that were seeing the show questions and they would write down the response. And then the show starts and they basically all like get summoned to the stage and they all turn around and they say, we are the unloved. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were going up and they were like, they basically had uh, like a, in a Greek version, they had the chorus, you know? Yeah. Um, they had these people that would, that were kind of like the, the communicators between the show and the audience. And it was so cool. Like they represented all the people that have never, experienced a love like Tristan and his old, which is really like everyone. Yeah. Um, And so they all wanted to get in, into the club, into this club, this nightclub called the love club. 
And the leader of it is somebody that they called White Hands, and she had white gloves on. She sang like old love songs, and they had this whole band on a second floor, and they just really wanted to get in, but they didn't know the password. And so that was like the, their whole thing. But they added that onto the telling of this extremely classical text. And in the center of the stage was a pole, and that was it. It was a pole, and then what you didn't see was that there were three um, circus jumping trampolines, like small square trampolines that people could run and jump and basically just like launch themselves like a launch pad yeah. through the air. Um, and on that, they did so many amazing things with just a pole. I've never, I've never seen the versatility of a pole on stage before so much. I mean, they had like they had a Mission Impossible moment where this one guy is supposed to change letters, so they repelled him. Like he put his like little repel thing on. They got attached to a cord. Like a bunch of the unloved raised him up, and he like Mission Impossible, Impossible. Oh my God, Mission <laughs> Impossible did himself down the pole in like this slow motion sequence and placed the letter in between these people, and they pulled him up. It was just so cool. They used awesome. it as the mast of a ship at one point. They used it for like this this slow motion. They did a fight scene, and then they also did a slow motion version of the fight scene where they did it kind of like in the air, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon style with this pole. They had a nurse that every time the nurse would run on, they would launch themselves on this trampoline constantly i mean they just had like a really good version of i know that i'm basically doing the worst thing which is retelling an entire yeah story but it just was so cool how they used this one element and i've kind of always wanted to do that i wanted to steal that so hard yeah and i didn't really i don't and i still don't really have a show in mind of what i would even use it for but i just think it would be so awesome to be able to think okay i've got I've got this, I've got a pole, and I've got some rope. What all can I do? How many different locations can I make this into? What cool things can I can I do with this that will bring the audience into, you know, different worlds or, like, it surprise them with a pole and yeah. some rope? I mean, how cool is that? They also had this absolutely beautiful moment because in the story of Tristan and Isolde, at the end of it, it's all about um, if you're, if, if you're, if you're still alive or if you still love me, then fly this color sail on your ship and I will know. And they had this big white piece of fabric in the back. And I didn't realize it, that it, it wasn't the solid wall. I thought it was a solid wall. And then they had the character of um, Zolt go running past this white thing. And you notice that it was fabric because they were obviously blowing fans and it just like billowed out. And she got to the end and she grabbed it and she pulled it down and there was nothing. And it was just the bare bones of it all. I mean, it was absolutely stunning and gorgeous. And just such a stark contrast. Kind of like in that version of Eastland that we saw where they sucked the tent up yeah. into the ceiling. It was kind of like that. It was just so like jarring and, and different um, and sad at the end because it was the wrong color sail. Yeah. Know? But of the actual story, but I've just I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to steal that pole idea. <laughs> that was that, you want to talk about a long walk? I also really enjoyed that they took this classical text and they kind of added their own spin of it. Of we're going to put some modern 
uh, music or, you know, music from Mm -hmm. the 40s in there. And then we're going to add this fake chorus of these unloved people that will interact with the audience. I mean, I hate audience interaction. I hate it. And they somehow made it so fun. Like that, that when you walked in, they handed you a balloon and they said, don't blow this up until we tell you to and don't tie it in a knot. That was the only instructions that they gave. So they had a wedding scene, and in the wedding scene, actually, I, I, they gave you two balloons. In the wedding scene, they had everybody blow up their balloons in the audience, and instead of like rice, everybody let go of their balloons in the theater, and the balloons oh, just cool. flew everywhere. It was so cool. But before they did that, they had one of the characters go out and be like, right, here we go. We're about to do the balloon trick. So we're all going to blow up our balloons. And he like walked everybody through it. And then, of course, somebody tied a knot in theirs. There were like two people that tied knots in theirs. And you just saw like whole balloons. And he was like, who did this? What idiot? <laughs> what absolute moron tied a knot? We said it 15 times. And he just like, and he found somebody, of course, in the audience. Like, it was you. Well, then I can tell your face. Oh, God, look at that face. It's a tie knot in a balloon face. It was just so funny i mean it just immediately won everybody in the audience over yeah it's just I, I don't know it was just gorgeous so i would steal everything you know what? i would just do that show i would do that exact oh, okay. show <laughs> with all the i would not change a thing and i would just put my name on it as director yeah that's what i would do the um one of the things that you had kind of touched on at the very beginning there um i agree i agree with like so many stories that we have are so derivative of like shakespeare stories yeah, And I think that, you know, as artists, and, and you were talking about, no, we have to create this thing on our own. And I think, no, we take what someone else has done and we can iterate upon it. Well, yeah. And just like and that's anything, what all there good are fads. Yeah. And, and you're growing. Yeah. I mean, especially, especially in big theater. I mean, now you see, like, even on Broadway, and it's starting to happen, where the, and I kind of talked about this, about the Disneyfication of Broadway and how it became Big money, big flashy spectacle, mm-hmm. craziness, Spider-Man, turn off the dark, like insanity. And now you have these pared down shows like Town, which in all honesty belongs in a small storefront theater in Chicago or in a community theater, mm-hmm. like a small space. But they put it on the Broadway stage. The set never changes. It's always the same. It's very basic staging. The band is on stage. It's like, I mean, the actors before the show even starts, they don't even have a warm up. All the actors walk out on stage. They sit down and they wait like they're just they just walk out as actors. There's no blackout. The lights are up. All the house lights are up. They just walk out and sit down I'm like this is not that's not Broadway. Broadway's old, you know, way of doing things was to make it look like a movie. Mm hmm. And now it's like, oh, no, we want you to see it almost kind of, you know, it's like Brechtian in a way. Like, we want you to see all of the stuff. We want you to see the process as well. Like, we're here telling a story. The same thing with Once on this Island, where they didn't put it in a proscenium theater. I mean, how many Broadway shows have you been to where you didn't sit in a proscenium theater where you're watching it all from the front? They made it in a, and it was in the, in the, it was a thrust stage. So they had people sitting almost like it was a black box. When they did their little Tony's performance, they put a fake audience on stage to signify this is, we don't do this in a proscenium style. So we can't perform this for the TV like that. That doesn't make any sense. We have audience 
right in our face. And they did it with sand, and they like it was just so cool. They turned the whole set into like this big sand pit because they're on the beach. It's just, it's it. You see that kind of stuff happening where things are now becoming like, oh, the story. That's what's important. Yes, and I think that's great too because, you know, a lot of times when you have the band or hide the band on stage, right? Yeah. Essentially, you forget that they're there, and that is so awesome because. They just they're, become a part. Yeah, they're a part of this just as much as all of the actors are. And mm-hmm. and realistically, you're never going to fool someone into thinking that they are not at a live performance. Yeah. Somehow it's easier for me to buy into it because I just accept it as another relationship. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, so this is just another relationship. When you go to a show and you see like a little box cut out in the floor and you just see a little head with a headset. You're like, oh, 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 that's the conductor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So all of the band is hidden underneath this floor. <laughs> that's kind of sad. <laughs> like playing this in a little center block room. That's, yeah. It's crazy. So what what would you think if like, for instance, if they were having all of these spectacle shows and they never wanted to sort of grow towards what were happening and what we're seeing in theaters now? I mean, I guess like refusing to grow. I think that you would eventually start to lose your your audience in a sense. I mean, especially on those bigger shows, you would just be pandering to the tourists. Does that sound horrible? What I'm when I say that, I mean, you're just you're basically then saying like, oh, you want to you want to come see Sound of Music for the eight thousandth time? We're gonna put it on, but it's gonna be real people in front of you, and it's gonna basically remind you of the film. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of these film versions of these stage stage productions of these versions of the film mm-hmm. they don't work that way. Yeah, because you you are pandering to the to the tourists who want to show up and see these exactly same exact things that they saw on screen. It does kind of make me wonder how they're gonna. I, I have so many, I I have so many, uh, misgivings or wanderings. I guess what. Dear Evan Hansen is going to be like changing from the stage where it was a little bit more conceptual and then now they're going to create it as if it's a true thing that's legit thing that's happening like inside of a school. Like, yeah. You know, um, they're not going to film it like it was meant for the stage. But, you know, on the other side of that, I think In the Heights is going to be amazing. Yes. <laughs> Like, oh, I totally would buy into this. This is great. I think the difference there is that In the Heights has a more heightened sense of reality, whereas Dear Evan Hansen is telling this, like, very grounded thing. And I think it's the reason, you know, Hamilton walks that line so well of heightened reality, but also real character, real moments. Yeah. And that's why it works on the stage so well. And I, I, I just feel like Dear Evan Hansen, they should have done another filmed version of the stage performance. Yeah, I and also I I think it's because it it was originally like in the heights is originally staged to be like oh we're on the street mm-hmm. and they put it there initially on stage. Yeah. It was set this way and so really your viewpoint as the audience hasn't actually changed that much. But for Dear Evan Hansen it has. I mean you're, you're not getting that just that raw theater experience. Where you're sitting there and you're accepting all of these new realities and you're seeing these relationships and and just you know the you're on the journey of this person from start to finish. Yeah. 
where in a film it's kind of like, oh, you you feel the progression. And I think that's one thing about sitting in the audience and watching it. It would be for that particular show so much better because you are you're almost championing championing. Oh my god. Are you okay today? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Listen, today's been a long day. I had the theater workshop. I mean, I have not I, I just really haven't stopped. Um, you're not championing this <laughs> that just sounded weird because now all my emphasis is, is on the wrong thingies. But the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> um, anyway, but anyway, so you're, you're not you're not on this actor's side as well as the character. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, you know, you talk to people that saw Ben Platt's performance in that musical on stage. And what they talk about is how he could, you know, be so emotional and so 100% in to his character's experience for the whole play so consistently and to be able to be so emotional and still sing through all that emotion. And and I think that it was because people were with him from the beginning where it was like, oh, okay, everything's fine. Oh, no, now things are terrible forever. <laughs> yeah. And it's just you you're on their side because you know how draining that is, or at least that's what I would think the whole time. Like, man, this person has been doing this for two hours. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, what a what a gift that they are giving to people. Where in a movie, you're kind of like, oh, they did this for two minutes. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's, there's going to be breaks. There's going to be cuts. And, you know, they've cheated a lot. Yeah, so I just, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe, that, maybe that kind of, I, I, I will always be on team theater. Yeah. 100% before the film version. Am I super excited about In the Heights? Yeah, I'm so it excited looks so about much that. Fun. Yeah, I'm. I'm also just. I'm just excited for you know there to be a story that's not West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah, that is out there about Spanish speaking people. But also, I think Steven Spielberg is making uh, West Side. Story. I know he's doing a new West Side Story. Yeah. Which I am totally fine with. Like, go for it. Do it. Let's see what you got. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Now, I know that, especially when you come back to a small theater, someone like with your experience can kind of shake up things. Like the water gets a little rough sometimes because they're like, well, you are bucking the trend with your knowledge. and Yeah, the way things have always been done yeah. is hard. I mean, and I f- was feeling that with... A lot of shows, you know, when we did Annie here, and I think I've talked about this before, but I did that musical very different, very Mm -hmm. different than what people anticipated what that musical was going to be. Yeah. And really, I did the same thing whenever we did our other classic musical, which was Oliver. I did them very differently. I, you know, Annie, I had the band on stage. You were in the band. Mm -hmm. And was the band was kind of its own character and it was just it was awesome but when i was explaining it to people and even in the casting process of that show oh my gosh people were upset because it seemed like there was a trend of if i audition for something then i am in it <laughs> <laughs> and you had to be like uh no yeah that's not that is not it. Yeah. It's just not how the world has ever been. 
that's it's not a it's it's not a sign up sheet. It's an audition. <laughs> like it's not a chess club. Um, but yeah, so that was that in its own self was kind of interesting. And I also feel like there is a a pride factor, which I can kind of understand. Whenever you've been in the you? trenches, and no. yeah, I know. But when you've been in the trenches and you've been fighting what can feel like sometimes as a war when you're in a, a small community and you're in the arts and you're kind of, you know, going to battle every day trying to get people to come see your shows and you do things the way that you do them because you've always done them and that's how we do it. And then somebody shows up and they're like, okay, um, <laughs> yeah, that is not how we're going to do it anymore. I think that that definitely can ruffle some feathers. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people that do not like me very much. Maybe not necessarily because of the way that I direct shows or the way that I cast them or anything, but just for the simple fact that I left and I got experience and I got education and all of that stuff. And then after I had my success, I came home and I did the same. I, I started theater again. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, you can't just leave and then show up, you know, so I'm sure that there was some issues with certain people. Well, you know, bucking that when in Rome attitude. I mean, at, at a certain point, you're just like, I have to do something that's not so cookie cutter or is the same yeah. thing that everybody else is doing. You want to grow. I mean, yeah, you don't. You, I think that competition or whatever you want to call it is good. I think it's a good thing. I think that people need to have someone or something that's there that's kind of like challenging them in a way because mm -hmm. if we don't if we're not challenged as artists we can become very complacent and very lazy so like i can know well you know like even thinking with with children's theater that's a the perfect example for this because people have the phrase it's just children's theater and we were talking about that in the beginning i can get away with so much laziness because it's just children's theater yeah if i wanted to I could just put every single kid on stage in a costume that's directly from whatever movie musical that we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And whatever anybody expects. And it just be like, oh, I totally accept this. I feel like my money was well spent. No, that's not what that's so boring for me. And, you know, maybe the kids will be fine, but. How much more fun will they have if they feel invested in it and it's different and they're like, oh, this is cool. Like, we've never seen anything like this before. This is our version of the show. Yeah. This isn't Alan Minken's version of the show or, you know, it's the only, <laughs> only name from Disney that I can yeah. think of. <laughs> but this isn't that version. This isn't, you know, I can't go on Google or I, YouTube. I do appreciate that you think that Alan Minken wrote that he the didn't. music for Peter Pan. <laughs> He did, he did not write the music for Peter Pan. This Payne. is slightly before his time. Who wrote the music? It's not. Why do I want to say it's John Barton? Why is that? Who's that name? That name just popped into my head. That's not right. That's not right. No. No. That. Oh, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Oliver, but that's a different Barton, I think. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, not important. Um, But I don't. I love that, you know, they can go on. When, when we do when we do a show that they could go on to Google or to YouTube and try to search for it and not be able to find other people's version yeah. of the same show that we're doing. It's like, you oh, know? look, here's my exact dance. Yes, exactly. It's like, no, we're going to this is our thing because 
that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to look at the talent you have and create off of that, not try to fit them into somebody else's talent. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, that's probably a little soapboxy moment. <laughs> I did have a thought while you were talking about that. Because you said it's... Wait, you weren't listening to me? I s- never, ever. <laughs> we are middle-aged in this show now, and I've not listened to a word you yeah, said. That's right. um, Just waiting for me to, to take a breath. Yeah. Uh, I did have a thought. You, you had said it's just children's theater. Yeah. And I know that that's a lot of people's perception. Not yours necessarily, but you were kind of like using that as an example. And I thought, what if, you know, leave legal ramifications to the side, if we could do a you know, the show that goes wrong, but do we do like the children's version of it? Oh like my God. we're child actors doing this show. <laughs> like we pretend like we as we pretend adult to be children. Pretend yeah. to be children. Pretend to be children. An yeah. adult version of the play that goes wrong. Yeah. That's no, no, deep. of like we're doing Peter Pan, the children's version oh, of but it. At a children's theater. Yeah. Yes, I understand. I understand now. Um Where I'm, it can just be so I'm bad. I'm down. That it's really funny. <laughs> I feel like that would be better served to do their their version of Peter Pan or Charles Dickens. They have a Christmas Carol that goes wrong yeah. as well. I Seems mean, I know the rights to those sorts of things would be a little more expensive, but if you could it do would like be totally an adult expensive. version of the children's show. But it would show. be so fun. Yeah. That would be really funny. I do hate that word, just. You can add that to my list. Just and actually. Those are my two. Well, when you say your actions were just... No, I still don't like it. I still don't like it. Your actions are never Your just. actions were actually just. Well, we were talking about, you know, as far as growing as an artist. What what happens, like, has there ever been a moment that you have not grown as an artist necessarily and that you've just been kind of like, eh, that's too hard. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, do it. I'm just going to do the thing. Mm. I don't know Instead that Instead of being like, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to like, I'm really going to work on this. Yeah. I don't know that I'd, I've ever said no to the challenge. I do like the growing part. Um, sort of like when you had cast me in Exonerated, I thought, oh, wow, what a deep, meaty role on something that I would probably never in a million years get to play. Yeah. Because, you know, idealistically, you would cast an older person, but you know, your vision was to have this person that was stunted in this growth and to show like they look this Yeah, to age. show them when they went in. Yeah, and, and to have those opportunities, I don't know that I've ever said no, and especially like with tap dancing and things like that, things that have really challenged me. But there have been a couple of shows where I will see how the process is going. I've signed on. This was a bad idea to, mm-hmm. to, to work on this show. And then I do phone it in. And that's the that's the get through it yeah. kind of thing. Okay, so I just have to get through this. And I feel really bad for having that attitude on on things where it's just like, no, I really should be trying harder. And then you try to hype yourself up. You get to the rehearsal, and it is just so much of the same nonsense. And you you just sit there and think, I have to just get through this show. Well, but as an actor, you're not. You know, in that particular case, you're not really at you're you're at the mercy of your circumstance. True. Whereas, <laughs> I'm sorry, we're recording this, and it sounds like 
the movie Twister outside. It does. <laughs> <laughs> just, every once in a while, I'm like, either we are saying something that that's really good that somebody agrees with or not. Um, <laughs> maybe not. But you are, like, as an actor, you're kind of the victim of the circumstance as far as you don't create the environment that you're in. You're, In a sense, it's very easy to feel powerless. And, mm-hmm. and you can go in with all the positive vibes and attitude or whatever, and, and then you get there and you're just like, oh, it's too hard. Like, I just, one person can't carry that, you know, that, like, you can't change the director's way of doing things. Yeah. I mean, I know that I've had I've had my moments of absolute butting heads with directors where I'm like, I can. <laughs> 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 um, no one's going to be able to hear the thunder, but they'll hear me do that. That's what that's going to be terrible. <laughs> Just like nothing of me going. Oh, bother. But um, but yeah, I mean, where where I have butted heads with a particular director and just thought, you know what, when this job is done, I'm out. Or with these producers, I'm never working with these people again. They're, you know, just not good people. They don't create a good work environment. Mm-hmm. But I think that's that's with any job. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I I do think I've I've heard some people say, because they're talking about the labor shortage a lot now. And just how they can't find laborers and well, it's because the minimum wage is rising or whatever. And then I kind of had this thought the other day of, is it that the minimum wage is higher? Or, and that's why, like, like people are making more money in unemployment or whatever it is. That That's what I was meaning by minimum wage being higher. It's that they're making more money on unemployment. So they don't want to go back to the workforce. I hear that all the time. Is it just that they don't want to go back? Or is it because they've had this decompressing time of not being at their crappy job in a crappy work environment with crappy managers. Yeah. And they're like, I'm going to hold out for a better circumstance. I'm not going to go back to the same old thing that I was doing. I want more. Like I've had this time to reflect and I, I want to, I want to grow. I want to go into something else. Yeah. I would say that that's probably more of what it is. It's like, if you had the option to just hop into anything and you know that you're not really going to like it and it's just another thing to do, mm-hmm. but if, if, or, you know, rather if you could hop into something that was going to challenge you, that was going to grow, that was more geared towards your interest and your skill set, you know, which one of those do you choose? And it's like, no, I'm going to hold off for the job that I want and not just anything possible. Now, I also come from a very pragmatic standpoint, too, where it's like, I'm going to take the job today until I get the job I want. Yeah, of course. But I, I like, I think now if something happened and I had to go back and wait tables, oh, my gosh. no! Oh, no. Couldn't do it. Like, I think I'd be like, all right, what other thing is there? Yeah. And, you know, I maybe that's just a, I, I just, I, I can't do that ever again. <laughs> You know, I was. I do that ever again. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was driving past uh, some fast food restaurant. It might have been like Panda Express or something, and they were offering their management positions like sixty-seven thousand dollars. And I thought, well, I could do. I could. I could. I could, I could do, do that. that. I could do that. And then I had to think too. But you have to like cover for every person that calls in all the time. 
all the time. And it's Panda Express. I mean, is that the environment you're necessarily wanting to be in? Dude, that's better. That's better than McDonald's. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, if you're rating things, then yeah. But I At mean, least their ingredients are fresh and I can see them in the crisper. <laughs> Uh, that's I guess that's true. If you're if you're rating fast food management work, yeah, work jobs. Uh, but like, I yeah, do kind of think that I, I don't know if it's a bad thing. I think that maybe we're just going through this cultural shift now, where it's like, okay, people as a whole, laborers, I guess, have been treated very poorly. Yeah, and we have to change that culture. I think. I mean, I know that. You know, and it doesn't matter who who it is. Somebody's always going to have a problem. I mean, there's going to be something wrong or people's personalities aren't going to gel. Because no matter what, I mean, we can try to create the most positive work atmosphere in the theater. But somebody's going to come in and we're not going to vibe and they're not going to like how we have things set up or they're not going to like the way that we communicate or whatever, you know, like. That maybe they get annoyed be that we send them a rehearsal report after every rehearsal and we yeah. remind them and they're like, that's too much information. We don't need all this. <laughs> we just, I don't know who is going to be that way, but maybe they are. And maybe they don't like that. And they don't want to work with us again. But yeah. There's nothing I can do to control that. But I can control like how, you know, treating somebody the way that if I were going to be there that I would want to be treated. Yeah necessarily you know there is um there's a thing called in the video game culture of when you're on the development side of creating a video game it's called crunch and i'm sure it's on the same thing as like film and you know right before a show opens you know everybody's scrambling to hurry up and and finish these things right but on the video game uh, uh side of things for development they have crunch and it's been under a lot of scrutiny here in the last several years because they push developers to work really really long hours to hurry up and ship a game yeah and i see both sides to this argument of this is terrible this is horrible we shouldn't be doing this to uh, these people who have families and lives and things like that but at the same time i also see that these people are very passionate about creating this art and this and this thing so we have to also like respect that they choose to work in this environment but i think we can it's a hard hard thing yeah we can alternate like conditions and i think it might just be more of a planning issue but ultimately like when you're passionate about something you really don't necessarily like care about the hours that you put into something yeah, and but it does make it very easy to be taken advantage of oh absolutely and that's what i was going to to get at there is it like you know what you were talking about with all the laborers, it's like you can only be crapped on for so long before you're like, I am tired of smelling yeah. like poop. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that like tech rehearsals and whenever you get close to the, to the opening of the show, if things aren't exactly the way that they should be, you know, or that they're not moving forward, it can very easily, it can very easily, uh, get to where you're spending some very long hours. Yeah. And I just I just have this hard and fast rule I think because I have I feel like that as an actor or performer I've been taken advantage of in the sense of I as the actor am here because the lighting designer didn't do their part of the job during the day or whenever they needed to and so now I'm here because we spent 2 hours of our rehearsal. Yeah. Dealing with the light issues. 
while we were supposed to be doing acting issues. <laughs> yeah, and that really boils down and to your project manager. Yes, and director. so it's like I, uh, I, and so now I'm going to be here until midnight or whatever, and then I'm expected to be back here again. And I, I just, I can't do that. So I just feel like I've, I developed this hard and fast rule a long time ago of whatever I put on that schedule. If I say that we are done, we are done. Yeah. And if I see that we are getting close to the end, I will ask, depending on who is in the room, and I can trust their response. I'm just being like, look, we're close. It'll probably take us about 30 more minutes as far as like trying to finish the show. But this is the end of our rehearsal. So if you need to leave, go. This is yeah. it. But if you want to stay, then we'll make it happen. But if you want to go, you can go. There's Nobody's going to say anything bad about it. Because this is when I said for you to be here, That's we're done. So now this is technically your time. So this is spoken are you from going someone who is clearly <laughs> went into the midnight hour. Oh my gosh. Rehearsals. So many times. And then and it's like the well, you can't leave. It it's almost like this celebration of well, you we we did this, we had this like twelve hour rehearsal. Isn't that crazy? Like I aren't I like I'm really passionate about this. Like I'm working really hard. I feel like people celebrate it in a way. Like, look how hard we worked on this. We had a, we had a, we did like 60 hours of rehearsal last week. Like I, no, not that I'm not going to celebrate that because that just, that's absolute complete insanity. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You know, the thing is, is like on a community level, you'll have people that, you know, where I'm at now as an actor in the community setting that's unpaid I will say, nope, not staying past the the time that you had allotted for this. And if I see we're rolling way beyond that, then I'm leaving. Yeah. And I know that that might be like a jerk thing to do, but it's also like you did not spend my time well that, that I had set aside to be in this show. So I shouldn't be looked at as terrible. Yes. And it's not my fault for being unprepared. It's like, so I'm going to take that time back by leaving on time. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, well how could you do this to the show? And it's like, you did this to the show. You did this. Yeah. You, there is so much, there is so much time management and just upfront work that you have to do to make sure that you're not going to do that to your people yeah. outside of some unforeseen, insane circumstance that I can't totally imagine. But I mean, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. And I, I, you know, you and I talk about time all the time, but it is because it is one of the most important things. And, and it's just it, it's just wild. And I don't understand how people can so easily just completely suck that away from people and then act like that they deserved it. <laughs> it's even worse when you're a volunteer. Yeah, it's like, aren't you happy that, you know, you were here forever? Yeah. It's like, uh, no. And now I've gotten to the point, point in my age that I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You, you can be upset, but. No. I gave you what I said I was going to give. <laughs> yes. And I shouldn't be expected. Like, if you're not going to go an extra mile, I'm not going to go one. Yeah. I'm not benefiting from this like you are. It's insane. Oh, my gosh. Well, since there's a storm going on. <laughs> yeah, since the storm is going on, I do have to ask. Um, you know, we didn't allow my niece to be on the podcast tonight, obviously. <laughs> but we did ask her... 
we did say that she could write a question down on the board. Okay. And she wants to know, is water wet? Now, I have a feeling that we actually talked about this once. Did we? I just have a feeling that we have talked about this, but maybe we haven't. Maybe we haven't. Maybe it's not that maybe we're not real. I can answer this for you, or I can let you answer first. I'm saying it's not wet. Okay. Water is water. If you put something in water, that thing is wet. See, the thing is, is that water is technically a uh, a chemical compound. Yeah, it's com- so like what so element? Water, when it attaches to itself, attaches itself to something else, then that it's becomes wet. wet. Yeah, that Water cannot wet. attach itself to itself. Right. That makes no sense. It doesn't. So, so water my question is, is not wet. If I put my hand in water completely submerge it and i touch my hand it doesn't feel wet until i take it out i would disagree with your uh hypothesis <laughs> there because your your hand is submerged in water and it's already attached itself to your hand yeah but so doesn't if that weren't that the case way. then your hand wouldn't become wrinkly when it was submerged uh it doesn't immediately become wrinkly it takes a while Okay. I don't know what's going on with your hands. <laughs> Got these old man hands. To see you come out of the shower. <laughs> just like this human <laughs> How do you think it's I like keep such a youthful look? You're that character from that the old X-Men movie when he comes out of the ocean. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it just turns into a human. Yes, I am Senator Kelly. <laughs> Of course you would know his name. Oh, man. That's so beautiful. Hey, you know what's really cool before we go that I'm just so excited about? And I think I said this last time, but I'm going to say it again, was that just some more people bought some Redbubble t-shirts. And they weren't you. And it was, none of them's been me. Awesome. I just love it. I just think it's so cool. Just like excites me. I don't know. Just like it's a very exciting thing. Thank really you, guys. We appreciate it. All the support. Also, um, before you leave tonight, we'll just bring everybody in on a little production meeting for Play on Theater. Um, we do need to talk about a timeline for when you and I want to start thinking about set stuff. Okay. <laughs> so we just need to sit down with our, like, being like, oh, we should probably start and have this stuff done by this. Since we talked about time management. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about that today. I was like, man. I've been so used to not having anything going on that now all of a sudden a lot of things are going on and I need to manage that time (laughs) more in my brain because it is going, it is like evaporating very quickly, quickly being signed over into other things. Yeah. So, well, hey, um, you know what? I just, I just want to say like, I just, I just, I love you. And uh, that's Chris. That was Cody. See, mine was more of your question. I really fucked it. Oh, wait, I, I, need, I should end it's it. Fine, like, you we were like, it. <laughs> that was Cootie. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Championing. Lord, I think I used all my talkies. I think I've used all my talkiness. All the little talky (laughs) things I got are gone.